Today, uh, I got something that God put on my heart. I got something special that I feel like God's been speaking to me over the past two weeks. We're going to be reading, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be reading out of Daniel chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, do that. If you've got the Bible app on your phone, you can pull that up as well and open the Bible app to Daniel chapter 3. So uh, I'm going to give you a little bit of context of who I am just for those who do not know me. So I was actually born in Los Angeles, California, but I was only there for a few years. I like to rep LA, but like I'm not really like, I don't think I was enough, like there enough years to say like, man, I'm, you know, I'm from LA. No, no, no. I was, I was like three, four years old. My family decided to move here to Rosenberg. So I've lived in Rosenberg majority of my entire life. And my family's actually here in the room. My mom, my stepdad, my little sister, y'all give it up for them. They decided to come and visit. So I've been living here in Rosenberg my entire life. So this is, you guys are family to me. I know you're like, who's this guy talking to me right now? Y'all are family. We're family. Rosenberg is home. This church is home. So because we're family, I like, I like to crack jokes every now and again. I think I'm kind of funny. I don't know if I am. That didn't land well. So <laughs> there you go. There it is. So humor me today. If I crack a joke, just laugh with me. Make me feel like I'm funny. If I'm not, just laugh. Just, 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 just laugh. It's going to help me out. And then I'll be up here. I might yell a little bit. I, I think I'm kind of loud. So just be there with me. Clap. Make me feel good. Does that sound good, church? Does that sound good? Okay, so diving into the book of Daniel is a story about three Hebrew men. A lot of people may know about these three Hebrew men. They go by the names of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these three men, every time they get talked about, they're referenced as just holy guys, guys that are holy, they love Jesus, they worship God with everything inside of them. So let me give you a little bit of context before I dive into the story. So this is right when, so, so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego served a king and the king's name was King Nebuchadnezzar. <clears throat> and what this king did was say, hey, you know what? I'm going to build a golden statue, and you guys are going to have to worship it. You guys have to worship it and worship the gods that I serve. And, and, and these three Hebrew men said, no, we're not going to do that. But I'm going to give you some context. This golden statue, the Bible says, was 90 feet tall by 9 feet wide. You're like, wow, that seems kind of big. But I know when I was reading the, the, the story, I was like, well, how do I know? I need like a reference point. So who's familiar with Sam Houston State University over there, Huntsville, Texas? You guys may have been driving up I-45. And how many of you guys have been driving up the highway and you see the, the Sam Houston statue on the side of the highway? How many of you guys have seen that? So that statue, just for reference, is only 67 feet tall. So this golden statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had was 23 feet taller than even the Sam Houston State statue. So we see that it's a big statue and they say, hey, you guys need to worship it. And if you do not, if anyone disobeyed King Nebuchadnezzar, typically they were thrown into a fiery furnace. And that's where we're going to start today. In Daniel 3, 19, it says this, that Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. He was upset, you guys. I'm talking he was mad. His face was distorted. How many of you guys have been so upset, but you, get, you know, you're still Christian, right? So, so you got you to gotta, you gotta keep the, you can't say anything, because if you say something wrong, it's going to be bad or whatever. But he said his face was so distorted. How many of you guys have ever been so mad that oh, you just got to make a face? And you can't help it. You're sitting there like, they tell you something, you're like, yeah. Bless you and your family. But I'm upset right now. <laughs> and so he said his face was distorted with rage. And it said he commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. That's hot. That's hot, y'all. 
And he said, then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. Now, what I want to talk about today is, is, is out of this part right here, because of a decision that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego made, because they said, you know what, we're not going to bow down to your gods. We're not going to worship this golden statue. Because of a decision that they made, now they're reaching a point in their life where it can be, where it can be the end of their life. And maybe today some of you guys have made a decision in your life, or maybe you recently are going through a decision-making decision process where you feel like, now that I've made this decision, I feel like it's the end. Or like, man, it's the end, I don't know what to do, because I feel like life is throwing something at me. What do you do when you feel like you've reached the end? That's what I want to talk about today. Let's pray first. Jesus, thank you for being here in the house. God, I pray for this message, Lord. Let not my words be heard, but your words be heard this morning. God, I pray that today with anyone feeling that they maybe reached the end, God, that you would be here with us and you would remind us who you are and whose we are. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Okay, I need to know before I jump into some context, I need to know, do we have any movie lovers? You like to go see a movie, okay? What about like the stay home Netflix and Hulu and okay, we got some, I got somebody in the back talking about, yeah, that's me. That's me. Okay, I love Netflix. I love going to the movies. I love it. How many guys have ever been through the middle of a series, um, the middle of probably a movie, and you know there's probably a part two or a part three, but you're right in the heat of it, and it's getting exciting, and maybe there's a car chase, and the cars are they're running and going. You're like, man, this is so exciting, so intense. Or maybe, maybe it's just the opposite of that, where a family's struggling. They're going through something, financial problems, marriage problems, or whatever, and it's just you feel the, the, like that climactic moment, building, 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 building. And then all of a sudden, black screen. And you read the words, to be continued. Man. I know if you like me, but I get upset in those moments. I'm like, you telling me I have to wait to see what happens next? Are you kidding? And if you're like me, I get out my phone. I'm like, hold on one second. Google. I Google, and I'm like, when is the next show coming on? Right? Right? And then it tells you, summer of 2024. What? <laughs> I got to wait this whole time to see what's going to happen next. And what's funny is that sometimes that even in our life, that happens to us. Where we reach a breaking point where this is so much happening, all of a sudden we hit a wall. And we're like, man, God, what do I got to do next? And sometimes, unfortunately, what people tend to do is they label a season the end when God is labeling that season to be continued. So today I came here to tell you guys that it's not the end for you. It's just to be continued. So whatever you're struggling with, can I tell you there's a God in heaven who says it's not the end. It's just to be continued. And if you are taking notes, that's the title of the message today, to be continued. Come on, so what do you do? What do you do when you reach that moment? I want to give you guys a few takeaways, a few things that can remind you, well, what do I do when I feel like I've reached the end? The first one is this, you got to remember prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. Well, I'm going to say that one more time. Prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. How many times have you maybe heard somebody, maybe a friend of yours, or maybe a doctor's report that said, man, we've done all that we can do. All we have left to do now is pray. All we have left to do is pray. No, no, no. Prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. Prayer is not something that you fall to when everything else is going around. You're like, okay, maybe now's the time to pray. No, no, no. We need to pray, pray about absolutely everything. That should be our first response. So you're probably asking, okay, when's a good time to pray? 
Well, can I tell you, anytime's a good time to pray, but let's look at what Jesus did one time in Mark 1.35. This is Jesus, right? It says, before daybreak the next morning, I'm pause right there. Before daybreak the next morning, the sun rises at 6.30 in the morning, you guys. It's kind of early. It's kind of early. So sun rises at 6.30, but he said before even the sun came out, he was awake. So I'm a, I mean, I, the Bible doesn't say it. I'm going to give it 5 a.m. 5 a.m.? That's all right. Man, some of you looking at me like, dude, God ain't even awake at 5 a.m. What are you talking about? Listen, 5 a.m. before you go to work, before all that, said Jesus would wake up before daybreak in the morning. And then it says that Jesus got up and went to an isolated place to pray. That tells me that Jesus was so intentional about his prayer life. How intentional are you with your prayer life? Look, it's two steps right here. He didn't just wake up. He didn't just wake up in his bed and say, man, God, thank you for this day. I'm gonna go right back to sleep. It wasn't like that. He woke up, he got up, went to an isolated place to say, you know what? I'm gonna make time for God this morning. I'm gonna make time. I'm gonna create a space for God to come in and answer my prayers. That's how intentional Jesus was. And I believe we need to be intentional about our prayer life as well. So you're saying, okay, cool. That's a good win. It's a little early. That's a good win. Okay, now what do I pray about? By far, one of my favorite scriptures, Philippians 4, 6, is one of my favorite scriptures because in just two sentences, it gives you so much about your prayer life. The first part is this, don't worry about anything. Philippians 4, 6 says, don't worry about anything. That's a whole word for some of you guys. That's all you came in here with. I got it, you good? You, no, I'm just kidding. I was gonna say you can leave, but don't leave. That's all you needed today is not to worry about anything. But look, sometimes we, we need to remember, hey, look, don't worry about anything. Well, well, what if I start tithing and then my finances just go? No, don't worry about anything. What if I do this and then he leaves me? Don't worry about anything. But what if I do this and she doesn't like me? Don't worry about anything. I need you to get that into your spirit this morning. Don't worry about anything. I love the Bible because it, it doesn't just stop there. It says what you should do after you worry. It says, or not worry. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, somebody say instead. Instead, instead pray about everything. Oh, that's so good. So you're telling me don't worry about anything. And instead, I need to pray about everything. What's unfortunate is sometimes we get so focused on the outcome of what's about to happen that we forget that we need to pray about what's, what's going to come and answer our prayers. Let me say it this way. Sometimes some of you need to stop focusing on the outcome and start focusing on Jesus. Stop focusing on that and focus on the answer of your prayers because Jesus is the way, Jesus is the truth and the life and whatever you are going through, he can answer your prayers this morning. So it says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. And then it keeps going. It says, tell God what you need. Oh, that's good right there. That's good. You got to tell him what you need. Sometimes people tell him what they want. That's okay too. <laughs> but you got to tell him what you need. God, this is what I need. I need financial breakthrough today, right now. And then it says this after that. It says, and thank him for all that he has done. Come on, that's key. We have to thank God. We have to give him the glory for everything that he's done in our life already. But listen, it's okay to ask for what you need. As long as you're thanking him for all that he has done. So that's my prayer. If you ever need an outline, my prayer is every time I pray something, I say, thank you, Jesus, for what you've already done. And if I need something, God, I need you to come through my finances. Then I say, but thank you because already what you've done has blessed me up to this point. So God, even if you never did anything again, I just want to say thank you for what you've done in my life for providing for me. 
So I love Philippians 4, 6, because it says that. But what else can you do when life gets hard? Now we're going to go back to the book of Daniel to talk about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And what, what's funny is that anytime you've heard about these three characters in the Bible, they're always mentioned together. Am I right? You never just hear about Shadrach just hanging out by himself. It just sounds weird. It doesn't even feel like I'm finishing my sentence when I say Shadrach. Meshach and Abednego, you know what I'm saying? Like I have to finish that because they're always together. So what does that tell me? And the Bible clearly states that after we have to make sure we're praying, praying first, the second thing is we have to remember this. We have to push, but push with people. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were pushing with each other. They were pushing. That's my second point, push with people. So what I love is that when they're talked about, these two characters, they're always holy, They're always faithful Hebrew men of God, worshipers. I'm like, man, that's the kind of that's the kind of group I want to be around. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's who I want to be looked at as a holy person, as a faithful person, as somebody who worships God all the time. But can I tell you this, that they're always together, always surrounding themselves with each other. The Bible tells me that who you surround yourself with is who you will become. So the question this morning is, who are you surrounding yourself with today? Is it these people that people can look at and say, man, I know those guys. They're hanging out, man. They're, they're cool. They're fun. They're Christian, man. They love Jesus. Or are they saying something different? Who are you surrounding yourself with? Because who you do surround yourself with is who you will become. And that's why I love two weeks ago, we launched small groups in the house. Come on. Can I, get, can I hear it for the small groups? Listen. If you're wondering, well, I want to be a part of a group, man. I want to be part of a life-giving, Christian, loving group. Join a small group. Can I encourage you guys? Join a small group this morning. We've launched 39, I think even we hit 40 small groups all around the Richmond-Rosenberg area. So there's many groups that you can be a part of. And those are the people that can sharpen you. Those are the people that can pour life into you and help you get out of a situation that you felt like maybe I can't make out of. Surround yourself with people that are God-fearing, God-loving, Christian people. Come on. Ecclesiastes 4.12 highlights this in a different way, and I love it. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says this, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. Listen to that again. I don't feel like, it, I, don't, I feel like some people didn't catch that. A person standing alone. Are you alone? Do you feel alone? And when stuff goes crazy, when the storm is coming, do you isolate yourself? Do you go to your room and hide? Are you alone? Why? Look, it says right here, a, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. Not just attacked. They can be defeated if they're alone. But I love it gives the answer. Two can stand back to back and conquer. Come on, that's good. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. So yes, it's good to maybe surround yourself with good people. But even the Bible says if you are alone, you can be defeated. So how much more important is it for you to surround yourself with the right people? So we need to get around people that can definitely champion us and help us get better. Because if we're alone, guys, we'll get defeated. We can't be those people. We can't be those people. We can't isolate ourselves. And I love the posture of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because these guys, they stand together. Back to back, they're all three always in it together. They're united. And in in verse 3, chapter 3, verse 16 in Daniel, it highlights something that I love. It says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. Hold on one second. 
if you read that up there, it says, it says, look, it says that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied. That means all three of them said it unified together. They said, hey, here's what we're going to say together. It wasn't just one of them. I remember one time I was reading it, and I, thought, I felt like for some reason just one of them said it. But when I started reading the scripture, it said, no, they all three said together, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, they said, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. Come on. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve the gods of your gods or the golden statue you have set up. Man, that's so powerful. That. That right there is a powerful set of scriptures. But listen, I want to go back a little bit. I want, to, I want to go off script just a little. Check this out. Right after they say, our God is able, then he says, he will rescue us from your power, your majesty. Then they throw in a little your majesty. I'm like, that's interesting. Like, I mean, it sounds like they're about to go off. You know what I mean? Like they start off, oh, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. I feel like they're, I mean, they're going off. And he said, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve, I'm like, oh, they're getting it. He's able to save us. He will defend. And then he said, they say this, your majesty. I'm like, that doesn't really fit. If I'm going off on something, I'm like, yeah, he will. Your majesty. Like, how? How? So, so then I read, and it says, but even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty. They throw in it again. I'm like, that's so interesting that they would take that stance and say, your majesty. And then I had to, I had to read it, because sometimes when I do, when I read the Bible, I look for exclamation points, because that's how I know someone's yelling. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, there's an exclamation point. But these are all periods. I'm like, man, it's so interesting that they were to, to take a bold stance and say, hey, this is not what we're going to do. But, the, but this tells me that they weren't yelling. They were just telling him something. And a matter of fact, your majesty, they were honoring him. They were honoring the authority that God put forth because at the end of the day, God placed that authority in their life. So, so sometimes I feel like some of us get so offended with someone, what someone told us. They get so upset. They're like, hey, I don't agree with you. And they start going off on somebody, bang, 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 bang. And then they forget to honor the person that God placed as their authority. So we have to be very careful how we approach people that we disagree with. Can I tell you here this morning that just because you disagree with them doesn't mean you have to be mean. Come on, that's, that's what somebody this morning, just because you disagree doesn't mean you have to be mean. You can disagree and be okay and walk away, right? And that's what they show here is they even honor, they honor the King Nebuchadnezzar. They say, your majesty. And, I, and so I take it from this approach. I'm like, oh, wow. They say, hey, he will rescue us, your majesty. Man, and even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve the gods that you worship or the golden statue you have set up. Man, I feel like that was more of a professional conversation. I've read it in the past, and I, I mean, I used to go in on it, even if, and get excited, like, oh, man, they're going after it. But no, no, they were respectful. They were honorable. And they approached him in a way that wasn't like a ticking time bomb. You know what I mean? So they say that. They say that. But. What I love is I feel like they did approach him that way, calm, cool, collected. But how I many you know King Nebuchadnezzar was not happy? He was like, look, I'm still king. Hey, this is my area right here. I know you're not going to come in here and tell me that you're not about to worship the people. No, 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 no. I'm King Nebuchadnezzar. So he got upset. 
It said in verse 19, 319, Daniel 319, Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became what? Distorted with rage. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. So usually someone disobeyed him. He just, in the furnace you go. And that was it. But he, for some reason, now this is different. I need, to, I need to hit it up seven times. Man, they said that they feel a little lucky this morning. He got his guards. He's like, guards, come here. All y'all, come here. These boys said that they're not going to do what I told them to do. They said they're feeling lucky today. Luck, lucky number seven. Seven times hotter. We're going to turn it up seven times hotter. We're going to burn them. That's what he was, <laughs> that's what he was saying. But, <laughs> but what I... <laughs> What I love about the story, too, is that it gives you a depiction of your life. Sometimes whenever you decide, I'm going to put Jesus at the center of my life, that I'm going to be a Christian, I'm going to stand bold in my values and what I believe, that the enemy starts attacking you. And I want to tell you this, sometimes life doesn't get easier. It may get harder. Why? Because I feel like, listen, before, even before I was a Christian, there were some things that I probably, when I wasn't, I was probably cussing a little too much. You know, I was probably doing things I probably shouldn't have been doing. And I was like, man, this, this ain't it. I'm, I don't know if I'm living right. But you know what? I feel like in that moment, the devil was like, I'm not too worried about JT. I'm not. Why? Because I got him in my back pocket. Because he's doing the things I want him to do. So I'm just going to let him be. I'm going to let him do his thing. But the moment that I said, you know what? Nah. I'm going to take Jesus a little bit more seriously. I'm going to put him at the center of my life and at the center of every situation and every decision that I make. That's when the devil said, uh-oh, hold on. My radar's a little bit hot. Why? Because now he's not living for me. Now he's living for this man named Jesus. So the devil wants to attack you just a little bit more. So let me tell you, sometimes life doesn't get easier. It may get harder, especially, especially if you put Jesus at the center of your life. So I know some of you got like, man, my life is just hard right now. I thought this Christian thing was going to be awesome. I thought I was going to give my life. I thought I was going to get baptized. I thought I was going to join Acre Bend, go through next steps and join the dream team. I thought it was going to be amazing and fun. But here I am. I go home to a broken home. And here I am and I can't even get a job. I'm still looking for a job. Listen, sometimes life doesn't get easier. It may get harder. So what's important? What's important to do was one of my last things. My last thing is this. We need to pursue God. We need to pursue God because the enemy is pursuing you. I'm going to say that. I'm going to say that one more time. Listen, listen. Pursue God. Why? Because the enemy's pursuing you. We have to be so willing to say, God, I'm, I'm coming. God, I'm here. Lord, I need you because there's somebody right behind me breathing on the back of my neck trying to see me fail. And it's true in the story of Daniel, verse three, chapter 3, verse 20, it says this. That then, then King Nebuchadnezzar ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. Listen, he has an army. King Nebuchadnezzar has an army of people. And of the entire army, he didn't just say, hey, I need three people to go over there and bind them because they're acting a fool. That's not what he said. He said, I need three of my strongest men. So he looked around and he said, you're probably strong. Dwayne The Rock Johnson, I need you. Aquaman, I need you. Jason Momoa, I need you here. Y'all, y'all look strong. He said, I need to get the strongest men to bind these three dudes. That's how angry he was. And that's how much he was like, no, I don't want just anybody to bind them up. I need to make sure they're tight. They're locked. So the three strongest men. And then check this out. After that, in verse 22, it says, and because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace. Look at this. 
the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. And they weren't just any soldiers. They were his strongest soldiers. So how many of you guys know that that furnace is hot? That furnace is hot. They weren't even in the furnace. Listen, open that door and they were going to throw him in. And the flames killed those three soldiers. That's how hot it was. And I got to thinking, I said, man, that enemy sure is trying to take you down. I need you to, I need you to think about this. If that's how hard, if, if until, de- like the enemy is until death, right? Like willing to kill, the enemy's willing to kill himself to see you fail. If that's how hard the enemy's fighting to see you feel, fail, how much harder should you be fighting against him? Come on, listen, listen. I wanna say it this way even better. If that's how hard the devil wants to see you fail, how much harder do you think God wants you to succeed? Because because I know this, that we serve a God in heaven who doesn't want us to fail, who never wants to see us fail. He is the alpha. He's the omega. He knows from beginning to the end. So whatever you have in your life, he knows what's happening. All you have to do is call on his name and he will come through. You may feel like it's the end of your story. This is it. It's the end. But I came here to tell you it's not the end for you. Whatever you're dealing with, whatever you may be going home to, whatever text messages are in your inbox, whatever it is that feels like it's the end, can I tell you, it's just to be continued. God came to here today through me to tell you it's just to be continued. It is not the end for you. It's not the end. I have a friend, uh, it was a close friend of mine, and um, years ago, years, years ago, she was actually dealing with an abusive relationship. And uh, the guy was abusive towards her. It was constant. It was all the time. And he made her feel worthless. He made her even to the point feel like she deserved it. And day after day after day, she felt worthless, losing her identity and feeling like, God, like, I don't, I don't know what to do anymore because I'm at my end. God, is this really what you wanted for me? Is this really what you planned for me? Like you want this guy in my life? Like he's abusing me all the time. And she was so, so caught up in that and so depressed that one day she found herself on the roof of her apartment complex. And she says, questioning her life, is this the end for me? And she told me that she walked to the edge, looked down, and decided she had enough. She closed her eyes and began to fall. By the grace of God, for some reason she doesn't know it, but she didn't fall forward, she fell backwards. Laying on her back, staring at the night sky, she said, God, what do I do? And I remember her telling me she didn't have a real relationship with God at that moment, but she, for some reason, heard a voice speak to her and tell her, it's not the end for you. It's not the end for you. And so with all the power that she could, she sat up and said, you know what? Maybe it's not the end. Maybe it's not the end. Right after that, she Googled online local churches near her and she found her local church. And she said, you know what? I'm gonna attend a service on a Sunday. And she went Sunday and then she got to know God on a Sunday and realized there's this man named Jesus who died on the cross for me, died for my sins. 
And she said, man, this is amazing and gave her life, rededicated her life to Christ in that moment. And it wasn't over there then. She said, you know what? I just, I feel like I need to be around people. I need to be around people that can help me. So she joined a small group. Listen, it was that simple. She joined a small group and just discovered that she was finding freedom in the small group. People were helping her, championing her. And then right after that, she's like, man, I just, I feel like I'm a little bit on fire for, for Jesus. Man, I, I wanna know what my purpose is in life. Any of you guys had that question? I mean, what's the purpose of my life? Well, at the church, she went through Next Steps process to discover her purpose. What made her unique? What made her her? And then right after that, she joined the dream team of the church and started to make a difference. So I know today you may be feeling like, man, I, I, I don't know what to do with my life, but just like my friend, she said, I'm just gonna take one step at a time, one step at a time, and then another step, because I need to get right with Jesus today. And what I love is that my friend now, she's actually married to my best friend. And my best friend and her, actually, they, they got married two weeks ago. They're happily married, living for Jesus. And it's so amazing to see how God can make everything come around full circle. So I know this, because she had faith to say, you know what, I'm, I'm gonna take a step at a time. It pushed her to, to her purpose. So let me say it this way, faith will push you towards your purpose. You have to have faith to know that God is there. I wanna, I wanna end the story here of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel 3, 25. This is right after they're in the furnace. They get thrown in the furnace and what looks like it's, that's it. They're, it's the end for them. It's the end. They, I mean, the, the strongest men throwing them in died. It's gotta be the end for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But then all of a sudden it says that King Nebuchadnezzar jumped out of his seat and he said, oh my gosh. <laughs> Verse 25 says, he says, look. And he tells all the people, all the army, his army, everyone around. He says, look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men loose, not three, four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the son of man. Can I tell you this morning that no matter what storm you are going through, no matter what fire may, may, may feel like hell right now for you, that Jesus is in the middle of your storm and he is with you wherever you go. No matter where you go, he will never leave you nor forsake you this morning. I know some of us, sometimes we pray and we're like, Jesus, I need you to, I see the storm coming on the horizon. I don't want to face the storm. I, it feels like it's, it's going to be a strong storm. I don't want to deal with it, Jesus. And we pray, remove the storm, remove the storm, remove the storm. What happens when he doesn't remove the storm? The story tells us that even if he doesn't remove the storm, he will walk with you through the storm. So don't lose faith. Have courage this morning that even if the storm comes, God is right next to you, walking with you through the fire, through the storm. So last thing I wanna say is this, your faith will push you towards your purpose, but your faith will also do something amazing. So King Nebuchadnezzar at that time wanted to see them fail. He wanted Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego to be gone from existence, he wanted them out, right? Then after he sees God in the middle of all three of them, there's four men now walking. And he said, it looks like the son of God. Even 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's greatest enemy noticed that there was Jesus in the middle of everything. So your greatest enemy, whatever it may be, still recognizes that there's a Lord above all lords. There's a God above all gods. And he recognized, and then it says in the story, later in the story, that King Nebuchadnezzar actually went out to the whole nation and started preaching the name of Jesus. I wonder today if we had a church this morning that would say, I'm bold enough in my faith to say, I believe in Jesus and watch how the influence affects everybody around you. How many people in this church can we say, I'm gonna go out into Richmond and Rosenberg and say, look, I know of a man named Jesus who saved me. He died for me and he's here with you as well. How many people can say, my influence can affect nations, even their greatest enemy, Jesus at that moment.